1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you. I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is, of course, brought to you by Prize Picks. Today, we're going to talk about some injury updates from Kyle Shanahan. We're going to talk about the Giants team that they are facing this Thursday in the 49ers Levi's Stadium home opener. We're going to talk about the Giants' offense versus the 49ers' defense. We're going to talk about the 49ers' offense versus the Giants' defense. And in between those two, we're going to talk a little prize fix, which is just quickly becoming, I don't know, too much fun maybe? I i mean, it, I wouldn't say too much fun, but I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, This is my first season getting into it, and uh, I'm all in. So I don't know if you guys have gotten on the prize fix bandwagon yet. I have um, prizepicks.com slash gold, G-O-L-D, and then use promo code gold. I mean, you can't forget that. Gold is in striking gold. Get up on there. Um, We'll talk about it in a little bit. As far as injury updates go, um, Kyle Shanahan seemed relatively positive in terms of the injured players. Uh, Brandon Ayuk did not participate on, I believe, their first day of practice, and then he was limited today. And Kyle Shanahan did say that that was essentially a positive development. I mean, he was he was good enough to be limited, essentially what Kyle Shanahan said. I want to make sure I've got the quote right because I had it up here. But I, I bet you Apple's going to make me do this two-factor authentication. I, I mean, I get it. It's safe. But every time it pops up and like my computer fails to remember me, I just feel betrayed. I feel like I've told you to remember me like 32 times and you just keep on forgetting me. So yeah, Kyle Shanahan said Brandon Ayuk was limited. Cornerback Avery Thomas was limited as well. Um, and the the kind of the fact that Ayuk was limited was kind of seen as a positive thing moving in the right direction. Sounds like it might be more of a pain management thing as much as it is a legitimate injury. Not, I don't want to mean like, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, I don't want to make any claims that he's overselling it, underselling it. How would I have any clue? But it does seem like he is trending in the right direction. Now, I will say this, just going off my own intuition, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers rested him. For a couple reasons. I don't know that the 49ers will be a hundred percent convinced they need a superstar effort from Brandon Ayuk to beat the Giants. And at the same time, you're coming off a, uh, it's a short week in which a game in which you got injured. And then you kind of get that mini bye week afterwards where they don't have to play this weekend. And then they don't have to play until next Sunday. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers are like, let's just be a little careful with Brandon Ayuk and let's let him rest this game. And then he's getting, not only is he resting for this game, and then he's getting the rest of the week off. so. It just wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they could always have him up for the game and then just have him with a limited role. It's not like the 49ers some suffer from any shortage of playmakers between Debo Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Juwan Jennings been making plays. So I think they probably feel like they could afford to sit him. I don't know that they will. It's just a thought. You know, I just I could see the 49ers saying, let's let's give him another week and a half and then we'll be ready to roll or uh, for the rest of the season. Now I'm going to try and make this a shorter pod because you know, it's a little late and you know, we're, we got the game in a couple days and I'm going to be podding after the game too. I thought about recording this pod tomorrow, but I was like, that wouldn't make sense. People would be getting the pod on game day morning and they would have like eight hours to listen to it, whatever it is. And then that would be it. So I'm here. It's Tuesday evening. Let's do this damn thing. Let's talk about the Giants I mean, let's find things to talk about with the Giants. Obviously, they surprised everybody last year by making it into the playoffs, uh, beating Minnesota, kind of earning the right to be there. Ryan Dabble, the, coach, or the head coach, if I'm saying that right, Dabble, Dibble, I don't know. It's a silly name. In, in, I mean, in my, I guess you could say biased opinion, even though I try to remain pretty unbiased, but I felt like Kyle Shanahan earned coach of the year honors last year, having to navigate from Trey Lance's injury through Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, and then making Brock Purdy along with Brock Purdy's own effort look like a legitimate NFL stud quarterback. And to me, that was a lot more impressive than just making the giants get to the playoffs. I mean, I get it. They've sucked, but like, congratulations, you sucked less. I don't know. I I felt like, that uh, that Kyle Shanahan probably should have had that. I know he got plenty of votes, but it is what it is. And through the first two weeks of the season, this Giants team has just been bad, poor, not good. You look at their two games, they lost to the Cowboys in week one, 40 to zero, 40 to zero. That just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. And then they managed to... Spur a, a, a second-half comeback against the, the Cardinals, who I think everybody is safely assuming are not going to be good this year. I, I kept getting little glimpses of this game, wondering how on earth the Cardinals were beating the Giants. If you go to scoring, the Cardinals were responsible for the first four scores in the game touchdown touchdown field goal field goal and then kind of like i guess you could say on brand the giants responded in the second quarter no excuse me third quarter with a touchdown and then the the cardinals came back with their own touchdown and then after that it was all giants touchdown 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 field goal to win the game i believe yeah field goal to win the game with um it says 212 here was it 212 remaining so, in my opinion, like, I'm not taking anything from that Cardinals game that impresses me. It's the Cardinals. The fact that you might have been watching two of the worst teams in the NFL go at it. Maybe the Giants right the ship. But in the end, somebody's got to win that game. And the, the the Giants found a way. So, shout out to them. But they looked... In beating the Cardinals, they still look like the team that lost 40-0 to against the Cowboys. Which is an impressive feat to win an NFL game and and still look bad. I mean, when Daniel Jones puts the team on the back, I'm not sure what to think of that. Josh Dubow from uh, AP tweeted, Daniel Jones accounted for 317 yards of offense and three touchdowns in the second half of Sunday uh, for the Giants. Only three other players have done that in a win since 1991. Kirk Cousins, Tua, and Dak. Kirk, Tua, and Dak, all in 2022. So, I mean, what are we we taking from that? Do we really think Daniel Jones is the type of quarterback to put a team on his back and march them to a victory? He did against the Cardinals, but is he doing that against any real NFL team? I'm not convinced, and I'm not a hater at all. I mean, if Daniel Jones is going to be good, he's going to be good. I have zero investment in the Daniel Jones train of events. I'm not going to call it a hype train because I don't think Daniel Jones has any hype surrounding him whatsoever, but I just, I, it's am my, I, I, am I underrating them? You know, I just don't know. It would be weird. I will say this. It would be weird for a team that went to the playoffs and was able to win in the playoffs last year. To just come into the next season looking absolutely horrible. Maybe they write the ship. Maybe they start looking more competent. Maybe they give this the, the 49ers a game on Thursday. But it's hard for me to just buy into this yet. Thankfully, we're only two games in. We're not supposed to know all the answers yet. But it's been tough for me to look at the Giants seriously after just getting absolutely destroyed by Dallas. Now, then again, Dallas looks like it might be a top three team in the NFL this year. so. That week five matchup against the Cowboys is just looking like an absolute slobber knocker in the the fine words of Jr. but I just don't have a lot. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of concerns when it comes to the Giants, specifically on offense. I mean, you could work your way down the list. Who are their playmakers? Now, that's an easy answer if you're talking about a team without injuries. Saquon Barkley, but for all intents and purposes, looks like he is going to miss this game. Adam Schefter tweeted that he was going to miss about three weeks with an ankle sprain. Now, Brian Dabble, the head coach, said that. I mean, he seemed more positive about Barkley's standing. You know, he said that his ankle wasn't nearly as bad as he thought it was going to be. But that's, I mean, that to me comes off like a coach just trying to make sure a team can't completely game plan around the idea that Barkley won't play. That being said, Barkley has not been that impressive this year. Nothing the Giants have done has been. Right now, Barkley has 29 carries for 114 yards and one touchdown. That's 3.9 yards per carry. His longest run was 18 yards. So, I mean, there's nothing – Barkley is a great running back. I'm not denying that at all. But as far as his performance this season and what the Giants have been able to do with him, it it hasn't sparked any real real interest. I mean, technically, Daniel Jones is a better running back for that team right now, as weird as that is. He has 22 carries for 102 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, and a touchdown himself. So, who are we more afraid of in terms of – the absolute ability to have an impact on an offense. So I'm not, I mean, I'm just, there's not a whole lot going on with this team right now that screams. Here comes a problem for the 49ers. Darren Waller, obviously a very good tight end. He accounts for nine catches for 112 yards so far. No touchdowns. That's not bad. He's far and away their best playmaker. Jalen Hyatt, two catches for 89 yards. That's that's a little weird. He's averaging 44.5 yards a catch. Hey, man, more power to you. Darius Slayton is their next best guy that's, you know, Darius Slayton and Saquon Bartley, Barkley are the team's leading receivers behind Darren Waller with uh, nine and six, respectively. Darren Waller has nine. So there's just not a lot going on with this team that just seems to be functioning. I mean, you don't get beat 40 to zero functioning. But so outside of Saquon Barkley, who I think I'm going to safely assume is going to miss the game. If he doesn't, he's hampered to the point of probably not necessarily being somebody the 49ers are worried about. You've got Darren Waller and a whole lot of other people. Darius Slayton has had some moments, you know, but I, 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 you know, when you're talking about a, a defense as competent as the 49ers, I'm just not sure he's something that, they're worried about. Now, here's the thing though. The Rams game might have been the best thing for this 49ers defense in terms of preparing for the giants, because I don't know how the 49ers treat the Rams in terms of their attitude. And, and I don't know what their outlook was on the Rams as far as how easily they were going to beat them. But to me, it looked like the 49ers were just a little bit unprepared for what the Rams were going to do. You know, when you look at the first half and the second half against the Rams, the Rams came out and scored on three drives in a row and then went to halftime. And then when they came back from halftime, they woke up essentially. You know, you're talking field goal, touchdown, touchdown, halftime. And then the Rams went punt, interception, punt, field goal, interception, turnover on downs, field goal. Two very different halves. So to me, that says to me that the Rams might have been a little bit more than the 49ers were giving them credit for. Is that going to be the instance with the giants are the 49ers not going to give the giants their due and come out and be like man how where are these completions coming from now cuz remember Puanakua and um what's his name atwell they had they combined for almost 30 catches for almost 200 yards against the 49ers now i'm certainly not discounting the fact that nakua might actually be legit i mean you know put up the numbers he's I think he accounts for the most receptions in his first two games of any NFL rookie receiver ever. So you can't discount that. But he caught 15 passes against the 49ers. Now, So if if Nakua is catching 15 passes against the 49ers, what are the Rams receivers going to do? How many is Darren Waller going to catch? How many is Saquon Barkley going to catch if he plays? How many is Darius Slayton going to catch? So I'm not saying there isn't room for surprise here. I just don't have a lot of faith in what the Rams have shown. And uh, not to mention the fact that Daniel Jones is not Matthew Stafford. I have a lot of respect for Matthew Stafford. I think he's a great quarterback. I said it in the pod earlier uh, last week was that, look, the Rams have Matthew Stafford, so anything's possible. And they looked like a competent offense without Cooper Cup, who they're going to get back eventually. So, I think the Rams are a little bit better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I think they were better than the 49ers gave them credit for. Is that the same thing with the giants? I don't think so. I think the Rams are a significantly better football team than the giants right now, but you have to account for what Daniel Jones brings for the table. And as, as deceiving as he may look as, as standard pocket quarterback, white quarterback, look, as he is worst way of saying that he still is having a very effective season. I mean, like I said, just as a rusher, he's been everybody's good as Saquon Barkley in a different way, of course, but the dude is averaging 4.6 yards a carry and he's carried it 26 times. You go to their game against the Cardinals. Daniel Jones had nine carries for 59 yards. You go to their game against Dallas, even though they were bad. Daniel Jones had 13 carries for 43 yards. 13 carries for Daniel Jones. That's, I mean, a lot of these are probably scrambles, but that's one more than Barkley had. Which is just weird. And okay, let me get um Daniel Jones. I did I hadn't pulled up his just base throwing numbers yet. I just thought it was wild that to do was just trying to run like a running back. And again, he's scrambling, he's dodging pressure. The Giants' offensive line is not great. But so far, Daniel Jones has completed 41 of 65 passes, that's 63%, for 425 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. And he's also rushed for 22 times for 102 yards and a touchdown. Where would that rank in the NFL, in rushing leaders? It's probably not as bad as you would think it is. It's weird. Weird thing. He had a ridiculous second half against the Cardinals. He put the team on his back, but I just, I mean, you're doing it against the Cardinals. You're not going to pull off the same stuff against the 49ers. The Giants are dealing with some injuries along the offensive line. Um, their starting tackle, Andrew Thomas, is dealing is a limited participant with a hamstring injury. I'm sure Nick Bosa loves hearing that. Um,
0: so we'll see. We'll see. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Big game for the 49ers defensive line. We talked giant off Giants offense. A big game for the 49ers defensive line that has been, is it fair for me to say, just a tad bit underwhelming? You know, especially when you're looking at the Nick Bosa side of things. Uh, Against the Rams, the 49ers defense had one sack, and it was from Fred Warner. So that, to me, is is as underwhelming as it gets from this unit. From an Armstead, from a Bosa, from a Drake Jackson, from a Javon Hargrave, Cleveland Farrell, whoever you want to throw in there, that's a pretty underwhelming performance to only get to the quarterback one time. Stafford was getting it out quick. But that can't always be the case. They only hit the court. Nick Bosa did hit the quarterback three times. He did force an incompletion on a, on a key play. And he did draw a, a critical holding penalty. But 49ers defensive front just hasn't quite been what I thought they were going to be. Now against the Steelers, we saw something much different. Drake Jackson went off for three sacks. Javon Hargrave added one. Kerry Hyder added one. So about five sacks is a, is a significant number. I could see them having a similar performance against the Giants. I think the Rams' offensive line earned some respect in the 49ers' defensive eyes, whereas I don't necessarily see the Giants' O-line doing the same thing. If we go to their game against the Cardinals, the Giants' offensive line gave up one, two, three sacks, and five quarterback hits. If we go to their performance against Dallas, this might be ugly. The Giants offensive line against Dallas gave up four, five, six, seven sacks and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12 quarterback hits. I mean, that is that is a relentless pursuit right there. And Dallas has got a great defensive front that is a lot more representative of what the 49ers are bringing to the table. So is that 49ers defensive front going to be able to get to the quarterback? I think so. I think they're going to get to the quarterback probably better than they have in their first two games. Are they going to allow the type of receiving numbers that they allowed against the Rams? I don't think so. You're talking about 20 catch, 22 catches between two players. That's That's pretty intense. That's pretty intense. I would like to see those stats in the second half and see how they stacked up versus the first half, but not someone I'm worried about right now. Um, aside from that, I you know, aside from the 49ers defensive front producing, I think everybody else, for the most part, has held up in terms of what we're expecting from this defense. The coverage has been pretty soft. We've talked about that and how much separation receivers have been given. I'm not sure if that's by design or by the fact that the 49ers cover guys have just tried to walk things back. I can hear Eric Crocker just losing his mind from here. You know, get up there, challenge yourself. That's what he'd be saying. But that may not be just the way they've been asked to play the defense. So I do see the 49ers defense having a very heavy advantage against the Giants offense. I don't know if they're going to hold them to zero points. You know, that I mean the Dallas scored that was in the rain, but Dallas still scored 40. So I don't know how much to give credit to, uh, To them there, or excuse me, how much credit to take away from the Giants there? But I could see this game looking a lot like lot more, a lot, lot more like the Dallas game, and it is the Cardinals game, which I'm not even sure I should look at that game. It's just ugh. All right, let's do some prize picks, and then we're going to get to the 49ers offense. Talk about it a little bit. And then we'll get out of here. I got an, I've got some interesting stuff. First of all, I've actually forgot to get my my Prize Fix words up here, but like I've been saying with Prize Fix, it has been a good time. I've enjoyed it. We're sponsored by Prize Fix. That kind of introduced me to them, and I have just kind of quickly fell in love with the idea, the way that you you know you pick your players. You're choosing more or less on whatever statistic that is: rushing yards, passing yards, interceptions. Um, number of field goals, number of points from field goals, whatever you want. You can do anything from two to six players. You can choose power plays or flex plays. Flex plays are when you have to get like three of four or two of three, Okay, It's pretty easy. What I like too is that it's very quick. And you could, I mean, if you like, you can get on there and create a listing in less than six seconds, create an entry in less than 60 seconds. It's just like, Bam, bam, bam. Maybe you check in on there and they've got like, they do these specials, these sales, where they're like discounting what a player needs to accomplish to hit their more or less. And you jump on those and you could create a listing in less than a minute and just get after it. But let's talk about my picks from the 49ers game. I again went with two different three-pick flex plays. I know this is a little weird through audio. It's much more easy to digest through video, but I'll break it down for you. My first trio of picks, my first entry, my first three is Brock Purdy to throw for more than 229 passing yards. Again, I don't think the the Giants offense is great. I think that they're kind of open to a little bit of an offensive flex from Purdy, from Kyle Shanahan, if you go and look at the Cardinals numbers, Josh freaking Dobbs completed 21 of 31 for 67% of his passes in 228 yards. If Josh Dobbs can throw for 228 yards against the Giants, I'm going to take Purdy to throw for 229. I think he does that. I think he was probably pretty critical of himself in the deep throws that he missed against the Giants, and I think he's going to turn that up. I'm going to go for more than 229 there. I also have Daniel Jones, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, the guy we've been talking about, to rush for more than 37 and a half yards. And I'm not saying I think he's going to dice up the 49ers defense. I just think he's going to be under a lot of pressure, and I think he's going to continually have to bail out of the pocket and make stuff happen. That's what he's been doing. I I think he's going to continue to do that. I don't think he does it in a way that really hurts the 49ers that much, but you can see those instances where like, you know, one side of the line collapses, he takes off and he's just looking at a bunch of open field in front of him and he gets like 15 yards at a time. So I can see that happening over the course of the game. I also took my third pick is Christian McCaffrey to get less than 17 and a half rush attempts. Now, just to recap, you here, he had 20 rush attempts against the Rams, and he was on the field for 100% of offensive snaps. He also had 22 carries against the Steelers. And that does not include the three catches on five targets against the Steelers and the three catches on three targets against the Rams. So, and Kyle Shanahan was very receptive the idea that they needed to manage Christian McCaffrey's workload. He kind of like, usually when someone questions Kyle Shanahan's, the way he does things, he gets a little moody, you know, he's like, you could tell, but in this case, he was like, yeah, I didn't realize he played that much. Um, That wasn't part of the plan. We should have caught onto that. I need to get Elijah Mitchell in there more. So I could see, especially on a short week, I could see Kyle Shanahan really limiting Christian Maha- McCaffrey's rush attempts. Now, g- keep in mind, that says rush attempts. It doesn't say catches. So Christian McCaffrey could catch five passes if he wanted to, and that wouldn't go towards that rush attempts number. So I could see McCaffrey getting like 16, 17, um, Elijah Mitchell getting like 5, 6, maybe more. Maybe Christian McCaffrey gets 15, Elijah Mitchell gets 10, And JP Mason gets like five, you know, something in there. If they get out ahead, I could see that number being even less for Christian McCaffrey because um, they probably just want to run out the clock as much as they can anyways. And why would you use Christian McCaffrey to do that? So there is my first three picks and I am in the, for the most part, a coward. So I went for a flex play there, which kind of puts a cap on the amount of winning you can do, but that's fine. I only need two out of the three to feel good about myself. Um, going on to my, my next trio of entries, I picked Daniel Jones to throw for more than 213 yards. Um, he did that against the Cardinals. He threw for 321, which is not even close. Um, I don't necessarily expect that to reflect this game. And then against Dallas, he only threw for 104, but again, it was raining. So like I'm not sure how much that works into it. But I do expect kind of how the other quarterbacks have met this Threshold, Um, what's the freaking, Kenny Pickett, Steelers quarterback, he met that number, and so did Matthew Stafford, just kind of playing from behind slash playing to win the game. So I think Daniel Jones throws for more than than 213 yards. I can speak English, I promise. I also picked Graham Gano to get more than five and a half kicking points. That's two field goals. I think he'll get that. You know, especially against a 49ers defense that uh that tends to uh buckle down in the red zone. And then I've got Debo Samuel catching more than 55 yards passing. And I think that if Brandon Ayuk plays, I think that they might try and take it easy on him. He'll probably have less snaps. And I think Debo has a significant um a significant uh role in this in this game. And I think he goes for, for quite a bit more than 55 receiving yards. So those, that's my second trio. Just to recap real quick, first trio, Brock Purdy, more than 229 passing yards. Daniel Jones, more than 37 rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey, less than 17 and a half touches. My second trio, Daniel Jones, more than 213 receiving yards. Graham Gano more than 5.5 kicking points. And Debo Samuel, more than 55 receiving yards and something is playing audio in my headset, and I do not know what it is right now. So there's like a tractor going. I don't know what I opened up that, that would play this audio, but I have I got it. I fixed it. But I'm in the middle of, of just going through my pics with you guys, and all of a sudden I hear like beeping noise and a tractor doing work. It was an advertisement. My bad. Kind of scared me. I was like, where's this noise coming from? All right. Now, On the flip side of the Giants' offense versus the 49ers' defense, that may be the Giants' offense versus the 49ers' defense may be something that's interesting to watch. I still expect the 49ers to have a significant edge. In terms of not being – in terms of – what's the best way to say this? If it were some type of competition, I don't think the 49ers' offense – Versus the Giants defense is going to be as contested of a matchup. I think the 49ers offense poses a significant advantage over the Giants defense. You're talking about a unit that allowed 40 points against the Cowboys and 31 points against the Giants. They allowed Dak Prescott to uh, both, no, actually, he didn't do much running, but the Giants, or excuse me, the Cowboys, Offense as a whole averaged 4.1 yards a carry and ran the ball 30 times for a total of 122 yards. Dak Prescott also threw for 143 yards. I mean, that tells you right there just how lopsided of a defensive that match was for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's numbers were not huge, 143 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions. They only rushed for 122 yards total. They had a good average, though. But I would love to see what the starting field position was for every one of those drives because they scored three touchdowns on the ground. How many touchdowns did their defense score? I mean, damn. Interception returned for points. Field goal blocked, returned for points. Damn, what a beatdown. And then you've got some field goals in there. So there's 14 defensive points. There's six field goal points, and then there's three touchdowns. So it really was, uh, and the the, Giants, the, the the Cowboys defense had their way with the Giants offense. I expect the Cow- 49ers offense to have their way with the Giants defense as well. That's This team gave up 28 points to the Cardinals, 40 points to the, the Cowboys, um, 30 of which, not 30, 26 of which were scored on offense. And the four—I don't see any reason the 49ers don't hit 30 again. Christian McCaffrey will eat. Rock Purdy will look good. Devo Samuel will do well. I think George Kittle maybe has himself a game here. You're just—I mean—if you get on here and you look at the Giants' defense, there's just not a whole lot going on. The Giants' defense does not have a single sack yet this season. They do not have a single interception yet this season. Do they have any sort of a turnover yet this season? Nope. The Giants, let me me say this a little slower. Their defense has no sacks, no interceptions, no fumble recoveries. They do have one-fourth fumble, but they didn't recover it. They have done almost nothing other than just get walked on. So, I mean, it's... I, I don't even know what to present to you as something that's going to challenge... The 49ers. There's not a whole lot going on there. Kayvon Thibodeau, their, you know, their first round draft pick from a couple of years ago, highly drafted guy, has done almost nothing. Leonard Williams, a good player. Dexter Lawrence, pretty good player. But there's just nothing here that I think challenges the 49ers. And I remember saying something not quite that extreme, but something similar against the Rams. I mean, that wasn't really quite the case because no matter what, on the Rams you've got Aaron Donald, everything could kind of catalyze from there. But, man, I do not know what this Giants defense brings to the table. I do not know. So, whatever you've got in terms of fantasy, whatever you've got in terms of prize picks, any of your daily fantasy needs, I'm thinking uh, the 49ers defense is some is 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 really a great target right now. I, I just don't see a player on the Giants defense that's going to give the 49ers fits. If I'm drastically undervaluing somebody, let me know. But I'm looking at this Giants defense. I'm looking at the fact that this 49ers offense has a habit of at least putting up 30, 30 with Purdy. I I you know, do I, I don't need to I don't think I need to dig into this any further. Like you can have all your analytics all you want. Sometimes units just suck, and the Giants' defense looks like it might just suck. So this can be a get back on track game for Brock Purdy if you want to call his last game a struggle. But like I said, if last game was a struggle for Brock Purdy, then. The 49ers are in pretty damn good shape because he still made some great throws, missed a couple, made some great throws. The dude seems downright, like I said, he's, sometimes he seems bored. He did make that that deep throw to Debo Samuel that got flagged for pass interference. Go watch that play. I mean, he put that exactly where it had to be. He made other plays. I think he made another tight window throw to Debo On that play to Debo, though, what I want you to watch is the way the pocket collapses around Purdy, and the dude literally just stands there not caring at all. But as that pocket collapses, I want you to watch. There's a point where you'd almost wish Purdy would just take a small step forward because that right defensive end is coming in, and Purdy's just chilling, and when he throws that ball, that right defensive end is awfully close to Purdy. Not quite to the point to where it's looking similar to when Purdy got injured in the NFC Championship game. But you watch that clip and you're just like, man, can you just take just a small step forward? Just kind of move up in that pocket just a little bit. But the point here being is that the guy seems very cool under pressure. We've seen so many close-ups where he's commanding the 49ers offense and he just looks Chill. And yeah, let's go score. Oh, a pass rusher. Oh, okay. That's cool. It's just he seems abnormally chill. It's weird to me. It is I don't know if you guys think it's weird to me, but that's gotta be such a great quality that Kyle Shanahan probably absolutely loves is the fact that Purdy is just chill. He he can easily maneuver around the pocket. He can easily maneuver around pressure. He's gotten better at feeling it. He can create throwing lanes with his movement. He, can, he always tries to buy time. He's a decent runner, but he always tries to buy time with his feet, and he looks downfield. And, I mean, there was that, 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 that scramble against the Steelers where Purdy just, like, he, he wanted to stay behind the line of, sc- of scrimmage so bad. He just, he knew where it was. He's coming up. He's hesitating. He's hesitating. Somebody come open. Nope. Okay. I'll run. And he got up laughing about how he handled it. He still gained like seven or eight yards, but you can tell he wants to throw the ball badly. And again, if, if what he did against the Rams was a bad day, he had a miss to Brandon Ayuk deep. He missed Debo Samuel deep. Uh, He missed Juwan Jennings deep. He missed a third down slant to Debo Samuel over the middle. Yet, through all that, he still managed to complete 17 of 25, 68%, 260 yards. That throw to Debo Samuel in the flat, they counted that as a run because it went backwards ever so slightly. That could have very easily been a touchdown. If he makes one of those deep throws, you're talking another touchdown. But he didn't. I'm not going to give him credit for something he didn't do. But he's been good. And I know statistically, he's been good. And uh, I think with every game, he's kind of earning his place as a good quarterback. We'll see how he does against an elite defense. You know, that's kind of like the ultimate measuring stick. Can he rise above and beyond a a solid unit on the other side of the ball? You know, we're going to find out quickly with the Cowboys, but I'm pretty confident in Purdy's abilities at this point. If you want to hear an excellent and just reasonable breakdown of everything Brock Purdy does well, Go listen to... You can go on YouTube now because Candlestick Chronicles is live on YouTube now. The video is still there. Um, you can go listen to it on their podcast or watch it live on YouTube. I guess if you want it early, you can go to YouTube because the podcast, I'm assuming, will come out tomorrow morning. But they, give, they just go into a great breakdown of what Purdy does, how they feel about him, the confidence they have in him, the way he plays, why he deserves praise, who gives a shit if he's throwing to good players. They kind of hit every... Brock Purdy talking point. It was very enjoyable to listen to, and I would highly recommend it because I love those guys, and they have a very well-reasoned way of breaking down the game. If Chris Biederman and Kyle Madsen are criticizing something, there's a good chance it should be criticized. If they're giving praise to something, there's a good chance it should be praised. They just never get too high or too low about anything the 49ers do, which is the way it should be. And uh, I would I would recommend you check out their breakdown of Brock Purdy. Show our fellow 49ers pod on the Blue Wire Network some love. Again, get on Picks, Use promo code GOLD, and they're going to match up to $100 of your initial deposit. So if you're feeling frisky and you get in there and you deposit a $100. They're going to give you another 100. You're now going to have $200. Five, 10, 20, 50, 75, whatever you put in there for your first deposit, Prize Picks is going to match. Use promo code GOLD. It is a good time. I'm enjoying it. Start small, work your way up to the big stuff, or go big or go home. Do what you got to do. You're your own personality. Just get on slash gold. Check it out. Check it out. I think that's it. I think we did it. I'm looking at 39 minutes, and by the time I get done with my long, drawn-out intros, it's going to be 40 minutes. So I appreciate you guys. Um, you know, a little bit impromptu of a pod, I would say. I, I I, would all of a sudden realize it's like, oh, shish, the game's on Thursday. Uh, I can't record tomorrow. That would it would be published on game day. I need to get on now. Let's go. And here we are. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. I feel like my voice may be turning a slight corner. We'll see. I'm still coaching every day, still teaching every day, still potting two or three times a week. You know, it's it's been tough. But I am hoping it gets better soon. I'm afraid that it's like actually it's been on the fritz for so long. I'm afraid it's like gonna change. <laughs> but all right, everybody, one more time, pricepicks.com slash gold. I gold, that was the word gold, but I said it like, because I always know that I'm going to have to also say promo code. And I just said gold. And then I thought code. So I said, goad, dang it. Promo code gold. And they'll match up to hundred dollars. You heard my entries, copy mine, do better, do better than me. You know, let's go. Bring it in. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder. Leave us a great review on uh, whatever platform you listen to. If you feel we deserve it. I'm not going to tell you got to leave us five stars. I would greatly appreciate it, but that's up to you. Do what your heart tells you. Um, But speaking of heart, love you guys. Uh, All good things, though, must come to an end. And uh, you know the drill. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is striking gold. and we are signing it.